So over communicating is always good, especially if you work remotely and as you work in a diverse team. So I always want to make sure that, oh, guys, do you understand what I was trying to say? So, you know, it's, it's just making an extra effort. So if you want to roll out a remote work culture, don't bring, uh, don't bring talent that can't deal with working remotely or without supervision. So I think it all depends on the, the talent and what you're hiring and your people cultures in a company. Hello, you're listening to the Leaders of Learning podcast, the podcast that explores learning in the 21st century with educators, leaders, and entrepreneurs from around the world. I'm your host, Ling Ling. I'm also the founder and director of Spark Learning Solutions. We help to build thriving organizational cultures and create effective intercultural collaboration through education, coaching, and consulting. Technological and social forces are transforming the world of work. How work gets done, who does it, where, and even what work looks like are being negotiated across the world over. The growth of freelancing and the ease of mobility have unleashed the global workforce, freeing it from many traditional bounds and constraints. No longer do teams need to work in the same location or at the same time. No longer are companies constrained to talents in a limited geographical location. Talents globally are open to opportunities beyond their city or country of origin. The future of work can seem all too exciting, frightening, and yet complex at the same time. How can we prepare ourselves for the future of work? Joining us is Gabrielle Frida Lowe, the Account Director of Jabatical based in Singapore. She's an ex-military officer who has ventured into the world of entrepreneurship and now technology startups. She has traveled to five continents and 24 countries. Jobatical is a job matching company for anywhere in the world. Their tagline is, because your skills matter more than your passport. Hello, Gabrielle. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Ling. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. So can you tell us a bit more about what is Jabatical and how did you end up there? Yeah, so actually, Lisa, I just happened to be searching online for jobs outside Singapore. For the longest time, I've been wanting to work remotely. And I was like, oh, it's like seduced by the whole like, oh, I can imagine I can work somewhere from Bali or I can work somewhere from Australia and connect with my colleagues all over the world. That would be so amazing. So back in 2015, I was working in a tech startup and I wanted to look for a remote position. And that's how I chanced upon Jobatico. And I see Jobatico as like in a way some kind of Airbnb of overseas jobs. So if anyone was listening in, just check out the platform and you can actually see that we have jobs in different countries. And uh, it was just really exciting for me to know that this is possible, that I can actually move abroad and relocate to a different country. And even though the role is something that I'm comfortable with, but I ended up working for the platform instead because I believe that Jobatico's mission of spreading skills across borders is something uh, that I believe in personally. And I think this is a, a great way to help employees around the world, even in, especially in uh, Southeast Asia, to help win the war on talent. 
Have you observed this in your work in the technology startup about the struggle in fighting for talent? And what have you observed? Yeah, so actually on a daily basis, I speak to, well, maybe three to five employers. And I always hear this, I can't find the right talent. And according to statistics, the global average of, uh, based on 2016, the global shortage of talent is actually 40% uh, in Singapore and 30%, 38% across the world. And I believe the statistics are actually increasing yearly. Wow. It's actually a real problem. For these kind of talents, does it focus on a particular kind of industry or is it across industries? I would say that it's across industries, but the majority of the clients, let's say 70% of them, the biggest challenge that they face is in really sourcing for technological talent. So we are talking about people who are developers, people who are software engineers, uh, full-site developers, so on and so forth. Mm, okay. So today's topic is about the future of work, and I've done a bit of research. So there are major consulting companies like McKinsey, Deloitte. They've come up with websites and research about how the future of work will look like and how it will evolve. But I would like you to share with us what you believe the future of work may look like and why do you think we're heading in this direction? Mm -hmm. Maybe let me just on this, answer the second question first on why do I think we are heading in this direction? I think uh, it's been, uh, I mean, you know, when you're young, you see uh, futuristic science fiction movies that talk about having robots to work with you or having robots to replace human beings. Mm -hmm. Actually, we are reaching that stage. So it might sound scary to people, but uh, we're heading towards this stage because someone dreamed that the robot can help enhance our quality of life, not just at the workplace, but also at home. So we are now reaching this stage because now we have enough data, we have uh, sufficient, I would say, uh, we have enough clever people to start building the technology that can help realize this. So in summary, we are at a stage where we have enough technological advancement and talent to move us towards this direction. And so coming back to your question of why do I believe the future work looks like, I think I see where you and I, we can work from anywhere. We can choose to uh, spend a week at home to look after our parents and still work. And I believe that we can leverage on artificial intelligence to help us automate certain work processes that is really cumbersome or tedious and time-consuming and so that we can spend more time on value-adding and, and looking at the big picture. So that's the really broad uh, picture of how I paint the future of work for me. Yeah, actually the future of work is kind of now because as we are recording this podcast show, we're doing it in two different locations. Absolutely. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's ideal. So I'm based here in KL with my own things that I need to do here. And you're based in Singapore. Right. But yet we could still get the work done because of all this uh, technology that's made accessible and available to us. Absolutely. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, just a follow-up question with how you answered on why you think where we're heading to. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that we should be afraid of the robots and AI taking over our jobs? Mm. This is something... Is that fear yeah, valid? I don't think this is valid. I think at the end of the day, with uh, robots coming into uh, the workplace, they, I don't mm -hmm. think they can actually replace all the jobs. And I believe uh, Dual Lighthead and McKinsey have had extensive research where perhaps uh, maybe 15% or 20% of certain vocations, they are more mm -hmm. manual. For example, the chef in the kitchen or someone else that's serving fast food. Yes, I think we can start seeing more robots. But I think with more robots also means that's more jobs created. So, you know, like five years ago, there was no sort of jobs as uh, data scientists. 
or Android developers, or even social media marketers. But now we have all these new jobs. So and I think in yeah. every generation, we see more new jobs being created because of technological advancement. And personally, because I have two older parents at home, I can't be at home to look after them. But I think a robot or having some smart technology in within the house would really help me monitor you know, the mobility and even the help of my parents. So I, I think we should embrace it. And let's not be too pessimistic because I think things are actually going to move towards that direction. We can't change it. So let's see how we can make the best of it. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a great benefit to embracing AI and robots into our life because there's just so much of things that we want to do, but we can't do if we're stuck in a cubicle in an office somewhere. Absolutely. Hidden on the spot. So I'd imagine you are working in the future of the work at the moment with Jabatical. So mind if you could share with our listeners, what is your typical day like, or perhaps maybe share some uh, success stories of those who are adopting the new way of working? Mm. Actually, I can share a little bit of my typical day, because even though I'm actually based in Singapore, I chose to be based in Singapore because uh, that's where home is. So on Mondays, I actually work remotely. So that means I wake up not too early in the morning because I don't need to commute. So that's brilliant. I get more sleep. I have my coffee, I have my breakfast, and then I switch on my laptop. So this is actually, I think that's part of uh, working in a remote setting. It's important to know when are your most optimum and productive hours. So for the first two hours of the day, I switched off all the communication tools. So in Jabatica, we use Slack to help us communicate across all departments and different continents because we work remotely as well as a company. So I switch all that off and just continue and start doing what I need to do. And then it's like any other office. I start, I have a break for lunch. And then I do that. I start the whole process again. But then this time I start to uh, switch on my other communication tools because I can't work by myself. I do have a team that works with me in a different mm-hmm. continent, a different time zone. And then this actually uh, moves on to about three or four hours. Then of course you take breaks in between, just like any normal work day. And I have dinner and make time for a quick workout. And then it extends a little bit longer into the evening, depending on my clients. So some people might say, oh, working hours are so long. How do you cope? Well, you can always choose to start work a bit later the next day or, you know, squeeze in a little bit more time during the day. So, yeah, that's really my work day. It starts sometimes at 10, sometimes it starts at 11. It's quite flexible. And I work mm-hmm. across right now at three different time zones. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's four. Yeah. <laughs> Does it get a bit lonely? Because if your team is scattered all over the world, you won't get to see them face to face. And if you're working from home, sometimes you don't see anyone else apart from your family, right? You see, I used to think that I would be, I was a bit hesitant at the beginning, but I realized Mm -hmm. that because of the fact that we work remotely, we actually reach out to each other a lot. We have Slack, which is a great way to even, not just to message, to even have conference calls or face-to-face calls. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I need less distractions and like I need to be focused. <laughs> Don't talk to me now. <laughs> <laughs> and I even switch off my email because like, hey, I need to do this like right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think for me, as I'm a little bit of an introvert, I find that this remote style really works for me. I'm actually more productive. Yeah, there there are certain times in the day when I don't want to be disturbed too. So working <laughs> remotely certainly helps. <laughs> And, you know, like, even though people contact me, I know the message will stay there. I just don't reply to it. Like, <laughs> nobody wants to. Besides, if it's really urgent, people will call you, right? I mean, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. But then you realize nobody really calls. 
because that means a lot of things are not as urgent, right? <laughs> yeah, people are just uh, either they will send you an email or they will send you a, a message. So yeah, you can just get back to them when you need to. Yeah, yeah. And you've been working like this for a while already? Yeah, I think since April I've been working like this. So that's not like six months, a bit more. Yeah. Ah, yeah. What well, was it a difficult transition for you from a regular nine to six job in an office to a remote kind of position? Actually, no, I quite, I rather enjoyed it because I've been looking for something like this for a while. So, and I was like, yes, finally I can do this. But I would say that, uh, of course, any, uh, any new job or new way of work will take time to transit. So I guess because mm-hmm. working remotely requires uh, you quite need to learn a lot of new skills. So and if new skills are, for example, so first of all, Jobatical is a multicultural company. We have 20 nationalities in this team. So I, first of all, I had to learn how to communicate in a way that everyone could understand me. Because as a Singaporean, I have a unique way of communicating. Yeah. I can't speak in uh, short form because they're like, what's that? What does that mean? <laughs> so <laughs> I had to learn how to communicate clearly. I had to learn how to over-communicate. So in terms of over-communicating, it's always good, especially if you work remotely and you see we work in a diverse team. So mm-hmm. I always want to make sure that, okay, guys, did you understand what I was trying to say? So, you know, it's just making an extra effort. And then, of course, learning to use multiple tools. And also learning to figure out when was the best time to speak to them based on the time difference. So that mm-hmm. was like some adjustment. But so far now, now that's, that's probably now second nature to me. Oh, wow. And it's pretty, pretty good that you've managed to learn all of this within six months of you know, transitioning to a different type of working. Yeah, I guess the human nature, we are quite resilient as people. We're quite adaptable. So yeah. it's okay. And it also helps when you're motivated and truly want to work in this kind of way. Because I don't believe that every kind of individual out there would be suitable for this kind of jobs. Mm. I think you're right. Yeah. This is something that I was just trying to explain to my mom. She's recently retired. She's a, she was an accountant. And mm-hmm. uh, she really liked to be in the office. And she enjoyed the uh, structure and the routine of an office. And she liked having people around her. So I guess for some people, that's, uh, you can do what we call semi-remote, right? So you work remotely for your company, but you can actually work in a co-sharing space. So there are still people around you, but there are some people who come, who need to have eyes around them. So we need a boss to tell them, hey, you need to get this done. Because yeah, so working remotely won't suit them. Mm. So based on your time with Jabatical, what do you believe are the typical jobs that are adopting this new way of working and you know, how does it reflect in the global market? Hmm. So actually, I see that there's you know, three group of roles uh, that, that are actually suitable for a remote or mobile position. So essentially technological roles like developers, data scientists, analysts, designers. And then we come to business development where, you know, sales, marketing, customer support. And then, of course, business support uh, where people do finance or administrative purposes. So... If you think about it, it's like almost 70, 80%, almost 90% of job roles that can be uh, remote. And I was just doing some research as well in terms of the global market sentiment. I think uh, IWG did a survey of 18,000 business professionals. I think they did this across 96 international companies. And apparently more than two thirds of people around the world work away from the office at least once a week. Oh, wow. So I think this is fast picking up around the world. Yeah, we can't avoid it. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can't avoid it because the future is is here mm-hmm. and companies if they want to get the right talent mm-hmm. and not be constrained by talent in their geographic location, this is what they they have to opt for. Yeah. But there are of course more traditional companies that argue if, you know, if employees work from home, they might be lazy, they will not deliver, they're going to lose connection with their colleagues and, you know, some people take advantage and abuse the flexibility. What, what are your thoughts on this? I think, yes, I see where they're coming from. I think there are certain uh, companies that really like perhaps some very extremely highly secure companies, companies do really sensitive data. I think they will need <laughs> the individual to be placed <laughs> in their country. Fair enough. There's some roles that can't do remote or mobile roles. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you trust your employees, when you bring them in in the first place, you have an idea what this person is like. So if you want to roll out a remote work culture, don't bring in talent that can't deal with working remotely or without supervision. So I think it all depends on the, the talent and what you're hiring and your people cultures in a company. So when it comes to adopting the future of work, it's not just the motivation of the talent, but company themselves. companies themselves have to go through a transition from a more traditional model to a more flexible remote model. That's right. And I think there's also, you know, companies realize, I realize that this is something that I, I hear more of in the Asian market. So my European clients and American clients are probably fine if they're a lot more open to remote work. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really, you know, the culture. And, and I think it, it doesn't mean that if the person is in the office from nine to five or the person is working late in the office, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're more productive. It could, mm-hmm. it could also mean that they are less productive. That's why they need more time to, to finish their work. <laughs> so it's a mindset. I think that's something that, you know, we can learn from our Western counterparts. Okay. Is culture the only reason why certain companies and talents resist this change? in the future of work or do you see any kinds of reasons why? I think also it depends largely on the nature of the business and uh, I think also it depends on the leaders. So I think the CEOs and the top management of the company also have a huge responsibility on, you know, let's see, let's say uh, we want to hire technology talent, for example, and they can't find it in their you know, country. So they usually have a thinking process like, okay, so let's, uh, let's think of hiring beyond our country. And if there's a process where it's difficult for this person to come over to their country, they are finally they're more open to remote work. So I think it's just a process, you know, when there's an issue with a talent crunch, people start looking out at their country and they also start looking at different ways of working with the talent they want is unable to move into their country, for example. So I think mm-hmm. it's a process. Uh, the leaders need to take ownership. Uh, if you want yeah. to embrace remote work, they can always be a little bit more conservative and start in different departments and then eventually roll out a uh, half remote work or even full remote work. So mm. yeah, it is possible. They just need to take the leap. Okay. It also sounds like with Jabatical, you encourage companies to uh, hire talents from abroad and move them to wherever the company is. So for example, if your company is based in Estonia, you want to hire someone from Brazil, mm-hmm. you have to deal with all the paperwork to get this talent from one country to another. Mm. I foresee that not all countries are open to hiring foreign talents. Is that something that you see in your work? Yes, I think there will be certain countries, especially in the West right now. (laughs) The US, I think they're facing challenges with that. And surprisingly, I speak to US employees, employers, sorry, who tell me that they want to hire international. (laughs) 
So, <laughs> so sometimes it's the issue of uh, we want to hire, but the laws are not ready. I think maybe I use Singapore as a good example. We have yeah. an issue hiring the right experienced technological talent in Singapore. So there have been uh, enough companies who have raised their concerns and given feedback. And uh, INDA in Singapore has actually done something really bold. They have signed a, they signed a project with Jabalico and now we're actually preparing this campaign for them where we blast Singapore as a, uh, it's a global business and innovation hub to experience tech talent, to attract the best talent into Singapore. So I think sometimes it's a matter of uh, companies raising their voices enough to the people in power. And so how Jabatico helps is that we can actually help with the immigration and relocation processes because we've been doing that for ourselves. So now we are, we've been doing this for countries and companies in Estonia and different parts of Europe. So now we're starting to do it for our clients in Malaysia and Singapore and hopefully uh, in uh, more countries in APEC soon. Mm, okay. Because I have a good friend who is in recruitment in Malaysia mm-hmm. and they are looking for STEM talents like data scientists and things that are related to big data. Mm-hmm. And the talent pool in Malaysia is limited when it comes to these kinds of positions. But because the hiring of foreign talents, the process of it in Malaysia is pretty tedious, mm-hmm. the recruitment process is really frustrating. So they need someone in this role. But yet, you know, the process of hiring foreign talents is making it difficult for some companies to get the talent that they need. Yeah. I understand that from some of our Malaysian clients that in unless a company has what they call MSC status, it's actually quite difficult to hire international. So that's why I usually recommend them to consider remote work. So it ah. to get the best talent and it's just that you won't, you won't get to see this person you know, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that makes sense then because the future of work is more flexible and more accessible as compared to the traditional forms of working. So if the company is open to remote work. They can access talent anywhere. They just have to be more comfortable that they may not see the talent on a daily basis, right? Yeah. In fact, there's this a company called Buffer who's uh, pretty transparent and they're known to have a global remote work culture. And, and for employers or for talent who are actually keen to look at embracing the remote work culture, I would recommend that they look at Buffer's uh, blog and website to see how they actually uh, manage their team remotely. And they are across, they are spread out all across the world, but they still make time to uh, have like a one or two retreats in the year where they get everybody together because it's important mm-hmm. to build rapport and relationships within the company. Of course, yeah. You've mentioned earlier that uh, you manage uh, virtual team members that don't work in the same location as you. How do you do that? Hmm. So I think this is something that I don't have that much direct experience with, but I can share a little bit of what I hear about marketing. She does. So Lauren's actually our head of marketing. She works remotely. In fact, we actually have other members of our marketing team that work remotely from Paris. And Togons is our B2B marketer. He actually works from Paris. And he also travels. And we have Dia, who actually travels in different parts of the EU. And she's our social media marketer. And then we have Maria, who is actually based in Estonia, is our copyright. Is one of our copywriters. So for us, what I've seen them do is they have ladies, they have a fixed meeting every week. So everybody is kept abreast of what everybody does. So I think mm-hmm. because of this uh, remote culture, they are actually very transparent. Everybody knows what everyone's doing. So because we place our KPIs and our work tasks on our Slack channels, so it's up to you to find out who is, who is focusing on what this week. So the transparency and uh, honesty, it's, uh, you need that in order to succeed in this uh, remote work culture. 
So I think what Lauren has done is she has incorporated this element of trust and transparency in the, in the team. And uh, she, I think with a good uh, leadership, uh, the way she builds rapport and the way she develops and trusts the team members has really helped in building a really strong marketing team as well in this remote work culture uh, in Jabarco. Mm. Trust and transparency, those are the key words. Mm. You know, exactly. of course, hiring the right people on board is also really important. And we've hired people through our Jabadical platform too. <laughs> <laughs> How would you know if a person is suitable for a remote work kind of role? What do you look for? Mm, that's a good question. Actually, I was looking for somebody to assist me and uh, I was interviewing some people. I think I've always asked them, uh, do you prefer to work in a supervised environment or do you prefer to be given autonomy on, on planning your own time? And I think most people would, would think they would think do better in an unsupervised environment. So that's what most of us think, right? We have a, a, a different version of what we think we are, but most people would say that, no, actually I need supervision. So I will first of all look at somebody who has, the, I will look at the work experience. Does it uh, connect with the kind of uh, strengths and skills I need in, in pre-sales? For example, in, in my case, it's a pre-sales talent. But mm-hmm. is this person and what kind of culture would they, are they used to? So I'll usually ask them, what is the kind of supervisor that you would work better under? And what is one that you would not enjoy or you would really dislike? So, so these are the key questions I will look out for. And then we have a, a chat uh, very clearly about the work culture. And I'll ask them very frankly, do you think such a work culture will actually make you more productive? Or do you think you would prefer something different? And it's always a very honest and transparent conversation. I think that's how... That's how we do our hiring. And I think that's something that we should all you know, look at. What if a talent has not had experience working remotely or working without supervision, but they do want to be able to transition into that kind of work environment? What do you think are the first steps that they need to take to help them um, transition? Is it a particular skill or knowledge or mindset, do you think? So actually, I'm an excellent case study of that. I had no experience in remote work before I joined this company. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so what I did was, uh, I think what the company that did really well was they actually flew me in to, to meet the team. So mm-hmm. I think companies need to have some kind of uh, what we call an onboarding process. So going to spend, it was an all expenses paid trip. My accommodation was paid for. I actually got to meet the team. So I think as part of the transition is to really meet the team face-to-face, get to know the company culture, what the product is. And then thereafter, there's more confidence built, right? So I had to learn all the tools that we use, all the communication tools, how we manage our projects. So I could actually see physically what other teams are doing. And so it's a very transparent process. So learning the skills of meeting the people and then just having faith and just doing it. (laughs) So these were the three key steps uh, in the process for me. And also having the support of the company who is readily yeah. open to have remote workers too. And I think that definitely helps uh, new talents to transition into a remote working environment. Definitely. Thanks for pointing that out, Ling. <laughs> so uh, any parting tips you have for our listeners if they wish to transition into this new way of working? Yeah, I would say be open to new ways of working. I have an optimistic attitude because having this uh, remote and flexible way of work has shown to uh, increase your life satisfaction. It's also shown to increase your work satisfaction and your productivity levels. So be open, be optimistic. 
uh, learn to communicate effectively uh, using a digital device. So that means the proper English, <laughs> no short forms. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, be prepared to over-communicate to make sure that somewhere, some person who is six hours behind you, who is 6,000 miles away, understands what are you trying to say. And so we're living in exciting times where you can choose to travel to somewhere and work at the same time. And I think I would say, just do it. <laughs> uh, before we end today's session, can you share with us, do you have uh, your next location in mind for your work? Yeah, I think uh, my next location in mind is probably Hong Kong. And, um, oh, how come? So the Hong Kong market is, they're actually ready and looking for tech talent. So I'm excited <laughs> to head over to Hong Kong either this quarter or next quarter to spend a couple of months there. Oh, that sounds really exciting. You're welcome to visit me, Ling. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do even better. I'll work from Hong Kong instead. Woo! That sounds good. <laughs> Fantastic. So if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you or like to learn more about the future of work, how can they do so? Yeah, so you guys can drop me an email at the gabriel at jobatico.com. So that's G-A- B-R-I-E-L-L-E at J-O-B-B-A-T-I-C-A-L dot com. Thank you very much, Gabrielle, for your time and sharing with us the future of work. Yeah, thank you for having me, Ling. It was uh, really fun. Thanks. That was Gabrielle Frida Lowe, Account Director for Jabatical based in Singapore. Highlights of this episode and contact details of our guest is available on our website at www.culturespark.co slash podcasts. That is www.culturespark.co slash podcasts. In our next episode, we will speak to Richard Mago, who is the CEO of ODEM. ODEM is short for On Demand Education Marketplace. We'll be discussing about blockchain in the learning industry. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or wherever you download your podcast. If you believe this podcast show will help a friend or family, please share this episode with them via social media or your podcast app. Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Learning podcast. Podcast.